away. Still better than most. Better than most. Critical takeoff. He falls into the pit. He's going to get spat out. Please make welcome the Ball and All podcast, James Tiger Woods, Beric Eckerbarts, and the king of speaking in the third person, Steve Condor Condo Condon. On the couch, it's Thursday. We're ready to roll for episode 27 of the Captain's Run. Uh, today we've got Woody. Uh, you're sitting somewhere ready to coach. Jared, you're in Brisbane and Condo's sitting here in sunny Lennox Head. Welcome, boys. How you going, mate? I'm good, Morning, Jared. gentlemen. How'd you, uh, how did you boys spend uh, Anzac Day, firstly? Well, some super flea work. What a round of football. And there's just some cracking good games all the way through the weekend. We had two rippers on Tuesday and uh, no sleep for the wicked because we've got one day and then back into it again. Should just have it, and we just should have NRL every day of the week, don't you reckon? <laughs> It'd be epic. How, how does it work with the uh, turnaround for the Roosters and the Dragons playing Storm and Warriors? Like, do they play Sunday or something like that? Or? Yeah, Sunday and got uh, five day turnarounds, and two of them being the Warriors and the Roosters have got a five day turnaround and both travel back to Auckland. Well, um, let's, yeah. just, let's, just, let's just touch on that, Jura, because we didn't obviously do a Monday uh, review of the weekend because uh, we had the Anzac Day games. But I think the first thing I'd touch on is I think just sport generally in Australia, the AFL and the NRL especially, geez, they do Anzac Day well now, don't they? We touched on it last week. That game, you know, Dragons, Roosters, and then the Warriors uh, and the Storm. And in the AFL, I mean, 95,000 at, uh, at the MCG, like just a cracking day of sport, isn't it? Well, and to their credit, I think uh, the AFL started it with that Essendon-Collingwood game a long time ago on Anzac Day and uh, set a precedent of how well they uh, did that day. And then uh, the, AR, uh, the NRL followed, what, I think um, 15 years ago or somewhere thereabouts and have turned certainly the Dragons-Roosters game into a, a classic and to see a full house at Allianz and that new stadium was just outstanding and then over the last six or seven years the Storm have done an equally high quality job of what they do at night at seven o'clock with the game against the Warriors and then the billing of all three of those games all lived up to it they were just absolute classics. Right, I will. Do you think, um, sorry, you go, Woody. Do you yep. think, but look at, just looking at the AFL, how they do it, they do uh, Melbourne Richmond the night before, so Anzac Eve. Do you think the Warriors Storm should maybe do something like that? So it's just one fixture on Anzac Day. Like, what's your what's your your guys' take on that? Well, I guess it's it's now driven by the TV schedule as well, and the ratings for Fox having a seven o'clock game on a public holiday are just um, 
huge. Bananas, eh? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think they'd probably get similar ratings the night before because she, it's the eve into, an, into a public holiday. But whichever way, it certainly works exceptionally well. And, you know, doing it at night um, and the way that the storm now do it was outstanding. I mean, there's been a lot of discussion this week about why that game shouldn't be shared with uh, the Warriors and uh, alternate years be in Auckland. And, you know, given that Anzac Day is all about the Anzacs, which is Australia and New Zealand, I think that also has a lot of merit. It'd uh, be huge over there, wouldn't it? It'd be sick. Oh, it'd be enormous. The, um, that, the, I mean, again, just touching on the, the, the 7 o'clock game on Anzac Day, Melbourne and uh, the Warriors. Gee, the Storm do it well, don't they? Like, they have a fantastic, uh, fantastic evening game. And then to see... The uh, the dressing room afterwards when Matt Tripp goes in and Frank Panisi pulls everybody aside. I don't know if you guys saw the footage, but and says, oh, you know, we've got a we've got an announcement. Everything's kept quiet. There's nothing in the media, and he gets up and says, I, oh, you know, congratulations on the win tonight. And I just want to, you know, let everyone know that Nelson signed for another four years, and all the players go berserk. Like, how good was that? Yeah, like yep. you, you don't see that at any other clubs. Like they just really pick and choose their moments to storm, don't they? Well, and it's no surprise that the high-quality clubs that more often than not are in the top six every year and continue to perform have outstanding leadership from their chairman and their board. Yeah, and I think the big well, thing made, there, they, they don't have the, leaks to the media. No. And they also made those games. Like, who was who was at the Storm to make the Warriors Storm? You know, was that Bellamy's idea? Was it Frank's idea? Who who come up with that one? It's well, all uh, I, I guess that probably comes back to a discussion between Storm and the NRL many years ago and the Warriors were the, the logical opponent. And there is some great history between those two clubs um, you know, going back uh, 15 or more years when um, they also um, uh, had a, a great match-off and, and you know assistant coaches and um, staff between each of them uh, had changed clubs. So there's a very good rapport between the two clubs. But, yeah, they're now doing an outstanding job of that game. And I think that's the first time it's actually been sold out in Melbourne as well. So, you know, we had two sellouts on Anzac Day. It's yeah. epic. It's more, it's like an event. It's like, it's, it's, an, it's like a really cool Anzac event as well as a sick game of footy. Well, Woody, I don't know if you have been to uh, what was the footy stadium to watch the Dragons versus the Roosters on Anzac Day, but... I think I mentioned it last week. I'd put it up there in the top couple of sporting events I've been to just for the the uh, the atmosphere is just off the charts. There's so much emotion. It always you look at how well you look at how well the Dragons played. Like the shittest team in the comp, <laughs> and they had an absolute blinder. Like they they you can tell how much it means to everyone who plays. Yeah, they well, I, I actually the Warriors. I actually got a message from uh, from a mate who. Uh, he, he mess, his message was along the lines that, you know, for the last 20 years, one of the games I really wanted to go and see uh, was the uh, Anzac Day Roosters Dragons. And this year, I finally got there and he, he sent me a message the next day. He said it was just amazing. Absolutely yeah, well, amazing. Uh, both, uh, both junior condos were there in the crowd and um, it's the first time for them. Uh, actually, second time for Zach, but he can't remember the first time. But uh, they said it was unbelievable. Yeah, they had a great day. Well, let's, uh, let's move into the NRL. Firstly, the update on the tipping comp. So we are at round nine. So after, to the, after this weekend, anyone that's in front of us, and, and there's a few of them, uh, I'm not sure what we're going to share them with gifts, but we'll find something. But um, 
Vaughan Blakey is hanging on. Alex Workman, he did a Vaughan Blakey. He picked the full round and he got the margin uh, on the weekend. So he's yeah. jumped up. Uh, Sammy Powell's in second position. Vaughan is hanging on. He's hanging on. Yeah. So it's uh, it's really tightening up after after nine rounds. We've still obviously got plenty of the season to go. Um, and, you know, you look at that table, Jared, like you've got Broncos out clear, you know, at 14 points, Manly at 11, and then you've got seven sides on 10. A couple have got the bye to come, but, gee, it's a tight comp. Absolutely. And, you know, we touched on this point about three or four weeks ago, and it just continues, and that is that the, uh, the winning margin has halved this year compared to the average of recent years. The average used to be about 18 points as a winning margin. It's now uh, eight to nine, and we're just seeing so many cracking contests, but um, only you know a, a split dime between them. And I think of the six of the eight games last weekend, um, uh, we had you know less than a try, if not less than four points between uh, the victors. Yeah. Now, um, before so what do you put that down to, is that better coaching? Better, like, is that just like? Well, I, 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 it's a work I, of the salary in, in cap, my isn't opinion, it? Well, no, I think it's the seventeenth team. You know, the seventeenth uh, team is now distributed. Ah, uh, sucked the life out of a few clubs that were yeah, playing yeah. up. Yeah, so you know, you've you've got a top thirty at, at the Dolphins now that those thirty were scattered among sixteen teams yeah, last yeah. year. And so that's redistributed the talent. It's made the comp far more even. Um, and I was concerned about the quality. Well, you know, we're seeing some cracking games of football. So, um, you know, it's bloody difficult to find a winner, let alone um, um, find a winning bet. But it's bloody enjoyable to watch, isn't it? Yeah, it is very difficult. It's so tight. Um, before we get on to the preview of this week's games, uh, obviously, we were wrong. Um, we thought that uh, old Jackie boy down from the Raiders was probably going to the Dolphins, and it sounds like at the 11th hour, Souths have come in. Um, you know, I mean, poor Kent going absolutely berserk last night about the deal that's been put forward to the NRL by Souths, and that it's unders, and he's ripping up 300 grand, and you know, blah 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 per year. Um, big surprise, I think, that he's gonna that he's now bobbing up at, at the Rabbitohs, Jared. Well, I think there's a, a few key things have unfolded in the background. The, the Dolphins' original deal was three years, and uh, that was in the frame as, as what was most likely going to unfold. And then at the last hour, uh, the Rabbits then chimed in with a four-year deal, and then um, the Dolphins over, I, I believe last Thursday, if not Friday, the Dolphins then came to the table with a four-year deal, um, and then I think the influence of the Rose brothers who manage White and, and manage Luttrell uh, and Cody Walker uh. Uh, and the Indigenous uh, connection at uh, the Rabbitohs and also that uh, Luttrell's wife and White's wife are very, very close, as the, those two players are, probably swung things um, to the Rabbitohs and clearly that's where he signed uh, a four-year deal. I don't think this issue about the money really is an issue. And I think, you know, Paul Kent grandstanding is more about Paul Kent trying to smother his best mate in Ricky Stewart. I mean, there's been numerous players over recent seasons who have signed for unders to stay where they wanted to be. You know, uh, Joey Manu, um, you know, he left a lot of money on the table. That's what I was. That was a guy I was just about to say, Joe. 
Like how, yeah, like, yeah, I mean, Latrell Mitchell was off at 1.4 million to go from the Roosters to the Tigers. Well, he signed for somewhere between eight and nine to go to the Rabbitohs. I mean, there's 500 a year. I mean, was was there yeah. was Paul Kent grandstanding about that at the time? I reckon I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, yeah, Jared. I reckon the other thing too is being managed by the Rose Brothers, and I think anybody that has uh, an understanding of of uh, of Jack's skill set, the guy can box. So I reckon, yeah. I reckon he will make up, he'll make up whatever's lost in probably one fight, and uh, those Rose boys are ah, uh, like after after yeah. the after yeah, he'll do career. A, he'll ah. do a, he'll do a poor gallon. He'll only have to have one or two fights, and I don't know Woody if you've seen him from, but he is he is he'd be in the top couple of NRL guys that can actually box. So um, really, yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, he can imagine really. trying to fight that transformer. He looks like a transformer. Well, yeah. Well, you've probably got two of the best big, boxers. Big, two of the best boy. boxers in the NRL that are that are residing in the South's backline, Latrell and um, and Jackie Boy. So, can Latrell throw him as well? Is he? Uh, Johnny Lewis said. Johnny Lewis said when Latrell was eighteen, he could have easily easily made a career as a professional boxer. Wow, I didn't know that. That's crazy. Well, I think the other thing that gets lost in all of this too is that. Um, you know, Whiten's had 14 years playing at the top level. Uh, I mean, he certainly come through in those earlier years um, <clears throat> through the junior grades at the, Ra- at the Raiders. But he's had a long time of earning big money. You know, I yeah. believe that he owns two properties outright in Canberra. I mean, financially, he set himself and his family up very well. It's his choice to want to make a change for one reason or another, and that might be about a sea change, and play with, you know, what's the, probably his best mate and other close mates, and then the option of third party and or boxing. It's not just about the numbers on, uh, that the Raiders offered and why he didn't stay. Yeah, oh, I, yeah. I mean, money obviously comes into it, but he's he, like you know, he's the back end of his career. It's his last contract. I mean, obviously he wants to be happy, and I think more than anything, by the sounds of it, he wants to he wants to you know attempt to win a premiership. And I don't think that, I don't think, if- don't think that's going to happen at Canberra. What about this, you guys? What do you think? Like, does this make it hard to recruit other players to Canberra? Do other really top-line players to Canberra want to leave now? Are they looking at Ricky more so than, you know, like he's well, like, the Marley under the Raiders is one of the senior forwards uh, has a, a re-signing option on the table, but he said he wanted to wait and see what White was doing, and he and White are very close. So that may have a, a knock-on effect. There are a couple of other guys that are off contract um, that are yet to re-sign. It's going to be very interesting to watch what unfolds there. And you know, Fogarty uh, has been a, a good at seven, but he's not a marquee player or, or a game-breaker, and he's at the back end of his career. So they now have to rebuild their halves. Um, they have a very young guy at fullback who uh, has a small body and can be prone to injury. Uh, he needs to develop. So a lot of question marks about their spine and moving forward. And, you know, I'm not sure that Canberra and or their coach are the flavour to everybody. Yeah, I would agree with that. He's had a long stay there. Well, let's uh, let's work on, uh, move on to the preview this weekend, Jared. Um, first thing we want to probably touch on is we've got plenty of rain uh, coming this weekend forecast for, New, uh, well, sort of around New South Wales, but Wagga, Bathurst and obviously Sydney where there's some... Some some good games, so that'll probably have a yeah. bit of an influence. Listen, look look looking at the the uh, form and trying to preview these games over the last twenty hours. It's a little bit of tiptoeing through um, 
uh, the roses here because we've got a lot of rain forecast, certainly into Saturday and Sunday around Sydney and New South Wales. We then have two games that are away. So there's one at Wagga, there's one at Bathurst, and then we have three teams that are backing up off Anzac Day with five-day turnarounds, and two of those have got travel back into Auckland. So it's not straightforward. There's some uh, very tricky games. Okay, so first game that you're going to you're going to preview is Eels versus Knights. I think this is a great matchup. Knights will be yeah, right in this one. I do too. Uh, and both games, uh, both teams come off travel. I mean, the Eels back from Darwin, the Knights back from Townsville. Uh, I thought the Knights were a little uh, a, a little um, tough last week. They were right in that game, right to the death. Cowboys picked up a late try to get to the lead at 18-16. I thought the Knights blew a couple of opportunities when they uh, were in the red zone um, and didn't really construct the right outcome. And I thought their coach summed it up very well after the game. Um, their record against Parramatta has not flashed, lost their last five. But many of those games have been very close. And coming into Sydney, uh, there's a couple of key outs for the Eels because they lose... Um, Regan Campbell-Gillard, they also lose uh, Simonson. I think they've got some issues on their edges in defence, uh, and I also think with Campbell-Gillard out, they've got some issues through the middle, which, again, the Broncos exposed last week. I think if the Knights can play through the middle and also play some of that uh, football down the edges, which they've been renowned for over recent weeks, Ponga helps them in attack. I'm with the Eels to probably just win, but I thought the 7.5 was a, a big start. I'd be with the Knights at the seven and a half. The Eels probably just scrape home. Looks a very good game. Six o'clock Friday night before the rain. Looks very entertaining. Yeah, the um, I thought uh, we you know, we sort of got tipped off uh, the wrong way by Wally Wynn last week about the Eels and they were up in Darwin and they were going to do a job on the Broncos. I thought they were really ordinary last week. Um, Broncos. Well, I, I I was with um, I was with the Broncos last week. Uh, I, I still think that Parramatta. If you take them on through the middle, expose them. That's where the Broncos opened them right up and then played some football. Um, I mean, we're about to talk about the Broncos now against the Rabbits. They, gee, they've had a lot of luck. But, you know, they do chance their arm. Uh, they have, a, you know, the bounce of the ball has gone their way on so many occasions through the last three or four weeks. But once you start to play strong through the middle and play with the football, you can really do some damage to the yields. And the Knights can do that. Uh, I'm not convinced on the Broncos yet. Um, I know they're leading the table. Don't know what you think, Woody, but uh, they're up against the Rabbits this weekend. Oh, yeah, I reckon, uh, I reckon South's going to flog them. Well, yeah. Payne Haas. Payne Haas and uh, Ezra Mam are two very big outs. Um, yeah. yeah the, the, work, the work that Haas does uh, on and off the ball is outstanding, and he's the best front rower in the competition. That yeah. that that punches a big hole in them. Then they lose a very good quality six uh, in Ezra Mam. I'm not convinced that Reynolds is um, injury-free at the moment, and he looks a little bit proppy. Um, Broncos at home, but Rabbits do have a very good record at this ground. And they did win there and opened up in the second half a couple of weeks ago against the Dolphins. Uh, the big key in for them is that they get uh, Totola back, and that really balances up what they do in the middle. I did say last week I like the Rabbits to beat the Panthers because they just have that little bit of attack strike that can open things up in key moments. And we saw it in the last five minutes. I mean, two tries. They went from being down 
Down by uh, eight to then cruising back to winning the game in a close margin, 20 to 18 over the Panthers. I think that's a very strong form line. My ratings have had the Rabbits above the Broncos so far into the season. I then take those out. I think there's a gap of about three and a half to four and a half between the two. Uh, I have the Rabbits favourites, and I thought they were the best of the week. I want to be with them. Jared, um, on your ratings, how far above the Broncos are they? Uh, I've got them uh, three and a half rating points above them before we get then uh, chime into this weekend. Then have Haas, Marne and Oates out. I've given a, the Broncos obviously a plus for home advantage, but I don't have uh, a lot off for the Rabbits now because they're only really missing for mine um, one key forward. And with Totola back, that gives them a big advantage. Okay, uh, so we've touched on the Raiders and they'll want to put in a good performance this weekend down at home against the Dolphins. Dolphins beat them uh, first up in a rain-affected game at, uh, at, uh, at Redcliffe. Uh, how do you see this one rolling out? After the, well, after I, the Dolphins' uh, remarkable comeback. I don't know if our listeners were watching that game on the weekend, but gee, that was uh, well, an amazing that, second half. That was staggering and... and um yeah, you know, Wayne Bennett doesn't lose many half times, and you know he he would have been very calm, given them the right direction, and just said, you know, let's let's go out there, we're a chance here, um, and giving them a few pointers, and then they absolutely did that the second half. There is a little bit of rain forecast for Wagga. I don't know that it's heavy, but there is rain around. I think it'll be a bit of a wet track. Um, I'm with the Dolphins. I can't get the gap between these two anywhere near four and a half, which the market has, and. I'm not sure why. I mean, the Dolphins have won five. The Raiders have won three. The Dolphins, we do know, just keep coming at you and they're about playing discipline, uh, ball control, a lot of smarts. I, I want to back that in. I think they've got a strong lineup this week with Kenny Bromwich back. Um, I think their forwards are better balanced. In against the Raiders, who come off the bye, and teams have been very good off the bye this year. But we go back to the game prior to the bye. They were absolutely horrible in winning 20-14 to 14 at home in one of the lowest games of the last 10 years. A um, bit of drama internally with all of this white issue. They've actually lost the last two games at Wagga. Um, I, I like the Dolphins here, and their record as an underdog this year has been very good. They're four out of five games where they've been underdogs that have covered the line. Thought four and a half was too big and want to be with the Dolphins. They won't be far off starting to get a few players back. I mean, Felice Kafusi was back last week. I don't know, Jared. I still have the feeling that they just look like such a happy camp. I think they're going to make the eight. Yeah, I'm not sure if they make the eight. They're certainly going to give a shake, but I agree with you. I think that they're very happy. You know, you don't come out and do what you do in the second half last week against the Titans if you're not committed. Uh, you could see they grew in confidence. They would have taken a hell of a lot out of that at full time into the dressing room. You know, that boys them into this week. Travel's not an issue for them. Um, you know, Bennett just knows his way around the park with all of this sort of stuff, and I just think that that's a huge advantage. And there's no love lost between the two coaches. Um, Bennett would love sticking one over Ricky Stewart this weekend. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to stick with the Dolphins. And what's the uh, what's your rundown on tips this week? Well, let's go with the Sharks by 10. I think the Eels by 6, the Rabbits by 6, the Dolphins by 6. Uh, Eagles play the Titans a book file. Now, there is a bit of rain forecast for that game, and there is some doubt about whether Turbo actually plays. I'm with the Eagles just. And Schuster's, uh, the Panthers Schuster's out of been dropped. Schuster's 
well, no, Schuster's out with injury, injured, but yeah. yeah, he probably should dropped, be dropped. But, uh, out of Bathurst, in what also looks a wet affair, we've got the Panthers. I think they'll give the Tigers an absolute work over. I think the Roosters may be just in Auckland, but that game looks very close. But the Warriors are knocked around with some key injury outs from Anzac Day. And then the last game to finish Sunday afternoon, it does look like absolutely pouring rain down at Wollongong. I think the Dragons are good enough to at home. And they are back-to-back away, returning home against the Bulldogs. Oh, two away games back home. Oh, well, they're, they're an absolute... They will win, for sure, Dragons. Uh, and what's your that best might bet? Have been a little, that might have been a little pool I unfolded for uh, our listeners earlier this year, and it keeps resulting in winners for us. Um, the Roosters were back-to-back away and returned home and then won on Anzac Day. Best of the round, let's go to Rabbits, minus three and a half. They've been a big move, Steve. Uh, very heavily backed in the Last 24 hours from um, the Lions move from 1.5 out to 3.5. And um, I like the Rabbits as the best. Beautiful. Right, I will thank you, Jared. We'll, uh, we'll let you uh, get back into your morning up there in Brizzy and uh, Woody and I will sail on. Take care, James. Okay, thanks, Mark. Yeah, Jared. Woody, uh, is, this, uh, is this surfing event in Margaret, is it ever going to run again? I think it's going to run tomorrow, mate. I think all roads lead to uh, Friday, from what I've been told. So it's going to be, is it going to be pumping or? I think it's going to be pretty good, yeah. I don't know, like, like as good as the other days, but it'll be close to that. I think it's in the sort of, sort of four to six foot range and, and reasonably clean. Um, It's just been small, I think, over there last few days, just small and kind of bad wind. So they've just been, they've been waiting for a, I guess a good, fair, clean day to finish. They've got, I think, the semi-finals of the women and the um, quarter-finals and onwards of the men. you got to be happy with, uh, I mean, obviously the Aussies have performed really well um, to sort of come from afar to make the cut. Uh, unfortunately, Jacko Baker missed out by spot and Macy as well in the women's. Um, but yeah. some really good performances. I mean, after Connor's... You know, one of your one of your students after his start to the year, he's really put really good back to back performances at Bells, and then he's still going in this Margaret comp. And I don't know, Woody's probably the way he's surfing, if especially if it's big and he's got big walls, he could probably give it a real shake, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, he. Um, I reckon he can if he gets uh, if he gets on the right waves, he could. He's got to go through Jow, who's the current world number one, and then. He'll get the winner out of Philippe and Medina on that side of the draw in the semis. But, yeah, I mean, if he matches up against Medina in the semis and it's six foot and those two are just going wave for wave on their back end, fuck, it'd be sick to watch. I really feel like he's got got the firepower to go against any of those guys, any of them. Well, whoever wins, it's going to be, they're going to have to be surfing out of their skin to. uh, It's a a great quarterfinals. It's a crazy quarterfinals. Like, you got Philippe Medina. Well, in the first one, then you got Jao Connor. You've got um, Griffin against. Oh, who does he have? He has someone. You got Ethan, Ethan well. John John. Ethan John John, the last one, and and then uh, yeah, Griffin has. He has Liam O'Brien, I think, doesn't he? No, He's no, got, Liam got beaten by uh, by Ethan, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just hold your fucking phone. I'm going to find out. But it's a, it's a, it's um, 
Oh, it's Griffin and Baron Mamea. That's right. Oh, Baron Griffin, Mamea. So Griffin, like, Griffin should get it, through that. You don't know, man. Baron's won an event. It was on a big fucking slopey right-hander at sunset. If it's six foot, yeah. you, you just got it. Like the, the the thing is, like, let's say there's four wave sets. Maybe one of those waves, sometimes two, are like have got the right speed. They're not too fast, and they don't go into dead water. They hold their shape on the right. Got to be on the good ones. They all surf so good. They've all surfed that wave, this Connor, so well. So, what's your what's your pick for the final? What's going to be the matchup in the final? Well, I think, I mean, I'm hopeful that it's Connor versus John, and Connor gets the nod. Um. I went, I think my multi for the quarterfinals was uh, Medina over Philippe. It was Connor over Jow, Griffin over Baron, and John John over Ethan. But you could dead set do a rough in go the other guys. Like, I, I feel like Ethan's got every chance. He won the last event. He's got every chance to beat John. But to me, John's looking like he can take different waves than everyone and get as big a scores or better scores. Yeah. And then if he gets on the very best waves... He's got a whole nother gear on that right. Yeah, and I think with uh, with John John, I think he looks really hungry. He wants a win. Uh, he'll be. This will. Th- th- it'll be the matchup of the round. Like, like the two, probably the two best rail guys in in the, on the tour. But, you know, maybe Philippe is just there at second or second point five. You know, but John first on the rail, Ethan second on the rail. It'll be fucking bananas that one. If it's consistent, I hope they just get. Six eight waves each, and they're just going for it. Woody, uh, the other big event over the uh, Anzac weekend, or the uh, sort of end of the public holidays that we had in Australia, was uh, Live Golf in Adelaide. Did you get a chance to have a have a bit of a watch? I did. I had a good watch. It was epic. What was your take? Uh, it looked fun as it looked like a cool event to go and watch. Um, what about your mate Fisher? Was, yeah, that was hilarious. You know, they they're just doing. They're doing the right things to probably get uh, different viewers and, and different people that probably don't normally go to a golf event to go to one. And probably people that have been to golf events and have probably not had the best time probably having a way better time. Yeah, That's how it looks. I think it's interesting because they, they sold a lot of tickets. And uh, just to give the listeners a bit of, a, bit of an uptake on uh, how successful it was down there in Adelaide, you get 40000 a day into Augusta for the Masters, and I think they sold about 90,000 tickets over three days. So they had a lot of take-up down there. Obviously, uh, it was a pretty, uh, pretty raucous sort of crowd. Um, golf was good, uh, really good quality. I think, there's, I think there's definitely a home for it globally, and I think it shows again that you know the centre of the universe for golf doesn't have to just be the PGA Tour. Like There's plenty of people outside America that want to watch good golf, and... That's probably the best assembled field we've had here in Australia for far out a long, long time. So I think it's uh, I think I think it's, made a real, it's made a real mark. I think the other thing that probably uh, it needed to be showcased and you could see it was the quality of the golf course. Like, yeah. There's, they probably only think there's fucking good golf courses in America, the PGA. There's amazing courses all around the world and courses that are great to watch on TV, courses that are great to play. Well, Dustin Johnson, oh, mate, Dustin Johnson was interviewed, I think, after day one or day two. He's obviously been a world number one. He's, he's won multiple majors. Um, and I think, he's, I think before he went to live, he's won 20-plus times on the PGA Tour. So you want to listen to him when he talks. But he was just commenting about the golf course, and he just said, 
this is just so refreshing. He said, you know, the course is not long. He said, so I don't have to stand here and bomb drives and hit wedges, but I've got to be on the right side of the fairway and I've got to really be thinking about what club I'm going to hit into greens because the way the bunkering is and the, and the undulation on the greens and they weren't as probably firm and fast as they would have liked because they got a lot of rain down there but um, uh, overnight on a couple of the nights. But uh, he, he thought it was one of the better golf courses he's played in the world um, and that sort of you know, ties into, uh, I think Tiger's still on the record as saying Kingston Heath and Royal Melbourne are his favourite golf courses, like, you know, done, full stop. So, wow. uh, you know, yeah. hof- hopefully we get a hopefully we get a second tournament next year and uh, they're up in Singapore this year, but it just shows you that, you know, there are other avenues to watch really, really good golf and it doesn't have to be in the PGA Tour in America and they got, all the time. And they got fucking amazing weather and <laughs> it couldn't have gone any better, really. Especially when there was no PGA event on, or not a very big one on at the same time, like they couldn't have done any better for them, and just showcase what the PGA PGA are missing out on, not bringing a lot of events overseas. Really, can you talk us through uh, through Fisher's uh, travel travel arrangements? Was he like in Adelaide for about twelve hours because he was at Coachella? Yeah, I, I he yeah he was obviously playing Coachella. Um, uh, and that goes back to back weekend. So he was playing the Sunday night of each weekend. I, I just, I, I didn't even know he was going to that thing. And then obviously saw it on social media like everyone else did. But I think he just, I must have, like the next, the following day, gone on a flight uh, from LA over to Sydney. And then I think he took a, a private flight from Sydney to um, Adelaide, did his gig. Flew back that night and got on the first flight the next morning. So and then yes, got back to he got back to Coachella with a day. I think he had a day. He had a day at Coachella and then the next night and he played on the Sunday. Unbelievable. Busy week. Busy Not bad week. for the bank account. I tell you that much. I wonder what the Saudis got. Got fish. I wonder what his invoice was for the Saudis. It would oh, have been probably pretty good. Probably ten grand. I don't think it would have been tightless <laughs> golf balls. Definitely not. Probably would have been a bit better than a couple of Pro V1s, that's for sure. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I loved when he ran out onto the fairway and tried to get Cam Smith to have a shoey halfway through his round. <laughs> and you, the crowd loved that? it. The, yeah, the crowd loved it. The golfers loved it. It was like, they're all fun guys. You just get to see a bit more personality, not just fucking robots fucking taking half an hour to play a shot. Yeah, no, it was excellent. Um, bigger. It's gotta be, I think it's got to be somewhere in the middle. You know, you still want that like crazy on the edge of your seat competition like the PGA where it's like if you fuck up, you fuck. But it's got to be some sort of interaction with the crowd and the and the, and the watchers on TV. I feel like the Lever definitely doing that better. Yeah, 100%. Uh, bit of housekeeping. Uh, Woody, you guys, um, JG's eight-week challenge we touched on last week finished um, and you guys got to celebrate on uh, Saturday evening. Um, Johnny organised it really, really well, uh, had enormous hospitality. Um, Shannon Bennett, who was in uh, the Byron group, I think, and Pat Rafter yeah. was in the Byron group. He won the challenge. And yep. uh, Shannon put on a on a do at his at his place, which uh, I think all of Johnny's, Johnny, Johnny's <laughs> participants uh, are very thankful for. But it ha- you know, Johnny organised it, so it was $100 a head, and um, it all went to charity and you guys were uh, able to raise 15 grand for the Healthy Minds. Yeah, epic. So, so big. They, they, they had uh, 
So how they, all the all their entries go went to that. They also had um, you know people just people coming up and giving a few cash donations. I think and it went really well. So they can put that towards you know a whole bunch of stuff. I guess a lot more help. I think uh, I think it's going to go towards their, towards their school programs, according to um to oh, Jacko. Yeah, so which is really good, go. which they continue to need funding for. Um, and a big reminder before we sign off, we've still got uh, we've still got tickets available for Ross Clark Jones Friday week uh, at yep. the Lennox Head Cultural Centre, Community Centre, whatever you want to call it, out the back here. Smoke here. We only set fire through the microphones. 